your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Seven thirty-nine, and uh, to pick up any of the uh, recent press comments on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it would look like an understatement to suggest that this deal is on the ropes. Uh, major objections in several of the 12 nations who are party to this that was signed in February but has not been ratified yet. Looks like it's struggling to get through Congress. Uh, Japan's lower house representatives are to vote on ratification this Friday. This country, South Korea, didn't actually get involved with the deal initially, uh, but uh, is potentially going to be part of it in the future. That's if it even gets off the ground. David Gantz is a professor at the University of Arizona College of Law, currently visiting Georgetown University Law Center, and joins us on the line. Uh, good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning, how are you? Good to have you. Yes, thanks for joining us. So, um, can you just clarify for us your own views on, on, on optimism or pessimism surrounding this deal? You mean in terms of getting it approved? Yeah, first of all. Well, I don't know. There, the Obama administration still holds out some hope for getting it approved in our lame duck congressional session after... November 9, but that's going to be a very short session, and I think there is still very substantial opposition to the agreement in Congress. And that's just the U.S. perspective, isn't it? I mean, because I, if you just do a little search on this, you'll see criticisms propping up uh, throughout various parts of the world, Australian legal ramifications, for example. Uh, it's, a, it's a major headache at the moment for a number of politicians, isn't it? I think that's probably true, although my sense, without really being fully aware of what's going on everywhere else among the other 11 parties, is that the the opposition is probably most intense uh, in the United States, not denigrating what's going on in Australia. But there are, uh, I think it seems likely to me that if the U.S. could go forward, the Japanese, the Vietnamese, and most of the others would eventually do so as well. But uh, obviously, delays uh, could be costly. Well, the fact that things are looking so unlikely in the U.S. right now, obviously, then, is is a major problem. Hillary Clinton is interesting because she, as a, a U.S. presidential candidate right now, is not particularly in favor of this TPP. But once upon a time, she seemed to be singing its praises. Where exactly would it stand, do you think, under a Clinton presidency? Well, that requires, obviously, a certain amount of speculation. Obviously, as Secretary of State, she was a strong proponent of TPP. Uh, I think if she becomes president, she will still have pressures from the left side of the Democratic Party, particularly Senator Sanders and Senator Warren. Whether in time she could figure out a way, perhaps with some minor modifications, to support the agreement, um, I think is unclear, although... Uh, I think without TPP, she has real trouble putting together a strong Asia-Pacific policy. Um, and, and just to uh, clarify the other option, Donald Trump, would that completely destroy any chances of TPP happening? Um, I have learned not to try to speculate on what Mr. Trump's policies might be because 
I think there's always a possibility they would be less anti-trade if he were president than they are during the election, but certainly I have no way of knowing. But certainly the indications are not in favor, at least we can say that much. I think all the indications are not in favor of uh, TPP, not in favor of NAFTA, not in favor of continued trade with China, maybe not in favor of continued U.S. membership in the World Trade Organization. Uh, let's look a little bit at TPP, though, and, and for a moment assess its merits or otherwise as if it is uh, a potential trade partnership that South Korea might want to get involved with in the, in the future. At the moment, it's 12 nations. The U.S. obviously very prominent among those. Uh, you've got Canada, you've got Australia, you've got Japan, you've got Vietnam, you've got several, you know, it, it, it's a broad uh, base there. In fact, taking up 40% of the world's GDP, 25% of global trade. Who would be the biggest winners and losers of that? Uh, with or without Korea in there? Well, first of all, without Korea in there. And so I presume some of the losers might be those who are not included to start off with. Yeah, I I think for the U.S., the big benefits are uh, more trade probably with Vietnam and with Japan. Uh, Those are obviously the two biggest economies. We already have a very successful, in many respects, free trade agreement with with Canada and uh, Mexico. We have... Uh, bilateral trade agreements with Australia, uh, Peru, Singapore, and Chile. So I think the incremental benefits that are most important are probably Vietnam, Japan, and probably Malaysia as well. So for a country like South Korea looking in, already with a free trade agreement in place with the United States, what would be the major benefit uh, of getting involved in this? You do not have a free trade agreement yet with Canada or with Mexico or with Japan, or with Vietnam, and those are four very major world trading partners. Yeah, so it's it's getting access to this broader base, but does it actually benefit the the U.S. to have South Korea involved in the TPP? From the U.S. perspective, it already has a South Korean trade deal in place. From a purely economic perspective, I don't think there is a great incremental benefit over the 2007 agreement with Korea. You know, about 75 or 80% of that agreement is pretty much the same as the TPP. In terms of our political and close political and security relationship with Korea, in, in terms of our wanting Korea to be more closely allied with some of the other TPP partners, I think there is significant U.S. benefits for Korea being a member. Yeah, in terms right. of the, the pivot to Asia, of which the TPP is viewed as a, as a strong piece of the puzzle, at least economically speaking, if TPP was to fall apart now, h- how would that impact the, the U.S. role in this region? I think it would be extremely damaging politically, Uh, in terms of our relationship with these 11 countries who to some extent have gone out on a limb to negotiate with us for, what, five or six years now. Uh, As I say, I think my what optimism I have that Mrs. Clinton as president would figure out a way to go forward is based on the fact that I think without TPP, it's going to be very hard for her to put together a credible Asia-Pacific policy. What about um, some of the other concerns that we've not touched on here, like, for example, investor state dispute settlement provisions, this ISDS acronym that uh, crops up so often? 
that's a very sensitive issue to some extent in Australia, to a much greater extent now among with many in the Democratic Party in the United States who feel that um, this type of mechanism uh, helps to encourage multinational enterprises to move jobs from the United States to lower wage cost countries by protecting their uh, investments, and some of whom feel that uh, you know, labor unions and environmental groups ought to have the same opportunities for, uh, uh, for, for such litigation. But do you, do you see that as, as, as being a deal-breaker, um, or, or do you think that's something that the parties involved here would be able to work around and, and be able to appease critics of? I think, I think there is probably, if, if other factors were to become more positive, I think one could work around the ISDS simply because we have it in so many other agreements, including, of course, NAFTA and the, uh, the free trade agreement with Korea, but it's very hard to say. As you probably know, the EU agreement with Canada almost fell apart last weekend because of ISDS, and it's going forward provisionally without ISDS. Mm. So mm. who knows what the implication will be there. Professor Gantz, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Great to have your analysis. Professor David Gantz from the University of Arizona College of Law, currently visiting Georgetown University Law Center. And we'll welcome further views on this right now. You can tweet us at EFM this morning.